Welcome to Into Theology. Today, Ian and I are going to talk about our next series into Into Theology, where we are going to read through large sections of the great Protestant thinker Thomas Aquinas. Yeehaw, I can't wait. And probably we should start, and I'll ask you because I don't want to answer this question. Uh-oh. Why in the world would we study Thomas Aquinas? Because we're Protestants, and therefore the church didn't begin until 1517. And if I remember correctly, Thomas lives in the 1200s. Well, it's because we're closet papists, and what we're really trying to do is make this about the uh, ter- the uh, what is it? I guess the gospel. What would be the go- how would we call this? The papist coalition, maybe, or something. The ro- the, the 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 uh, the justification by infused righteousness. Uh, oh, yeah, coalition, something like that. Yeah, um, really, I think that's that. You probably just completely identified the exact reason for using Aquinas. Well, don't forget, there's like, maybe we could call it the Nature Grace Coalition or the something Nature like Grace that. Co- <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's the Grace Coalition, the Grace. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Uh, so that's one set of answers that probably <laughs> some people might generate. There might be another set of answers. In fact, I'm going to take back me asking you this question. I realized <laughs> that was a huge error on my part. And I'll just say a couple things and you can kind of um, build on that and say what you want. Uh, Thomas Aquinas is born in the 1200s, which means he's before the Protestant Reformation by 300 years, roughly. And therefore, to say that he is not Reformed is stupid. Obvious. <laughs> it's just like, it's not even, a, there's no, po- Augustine's not Reformed either, but right. we all like him. Um, so I think that's probably just a good starting point. Secondly, uh, Thomas Aquinas is uh, called by someone like R.C. Sproul, the most intelligent Christian theologian that he knows of. I think he uh, says Thomas Aquinas and Jonathan Edwards are maybe tied, but he tips his hat to Thomas Aquinas and used him frequently. And this is not just a um, out of the blue designation by one guy in Florida, uh, Florida man, R.C. Sproul kind of thing. Yeah, but, in Florida anymore. <laughs> uh, during the heyday of Reformed Orthodoxy in the 17th century at the University of Leiden, Leiden, yeah, Leiden, uh, they actually used Thomas Aquinas as one of the key textbooks for ministers of the gospel. And it was because yeah. it was useful and good. Um, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, um, The Mortification of Spin, where they were uh, talking about Charnock's, uh The Existence and Attributes of God. Is that it? Yeah. Yep. And this the discussion was like how frequently Charnock is regularly citing even contemporary Roman Catholics, just sure. all over the place, Dominicans, Franciscans, and... Um, and not least of which, then he would go back to things like Thomas as well. So there's a venerable tradition in reformed in the reformed world to be citing these kinds of guys, the scholastics. And again, it's not really fair, in my opinion, to call Thomas Aquinas a Roman, a Roman Catholic, because I don't. It's a bit controversial, but I don't really think Roman Catholicism really exists until the 1600s. I think there are. It's a chaotic Catholicism that we pretend is unified. <laughs> Yeah, because we think about it after Vatican One, Vatican Two, from the twentieth century point of view. But if you go to like the sixteenth, fifteenth, fourteenth, thirteenth, twelfth, eleventh century, it is regional, chaotic, well, somewhat chaotic. It's pretty much they're Baptists. You know? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, uh, like, you are a landmark Baptist. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Thomas Aquinas is part of the Trail of Blood. <laughs> it's, but I think if you think of uh, this unified phalanx of the roman church it just doesn't work it's not true um yeah. kind of rambling a bit at this point so i'll let you say something now 
Well, I mean, there's been a there's been a kind of modern reformed ish uh, antipathy towards Thomas or Thomas or whatever. That's really kind of like post mid early mid 20th century, maybe. Um, it's interesting, you know, the there's that uh, um, chapter in the book on the reception of Thomas Aquinas uh, that Matthew Levering co-edited um, and the chapter by James Eglinton looking at Kuiper on Thomas. Right. Uh, I was really surprised by that chapter because I had just assumed that Kuiper was just full on anti-Thomism. Now he's not a Thomist, obviously he thinks Neo-Calvinism is a better way to go, but he's got very, very high praise for Thomas Aquinas and basically says, if you, if you don't read him, like you're, you're not a good Christian theologian, you know? Um, so I had kind of always thought that maybe the culprit was, was Abraham Kuiper in terms of the turn away from Thomas. And I'm sure it's there a little bit. Uh, you get somebody like Herman Doyabeard, who absolutely just botches um, the history of philosophy. I think he's probably the major turning point. And, Unsubscribe. Uh, and he, <laughs> yeah. The one Doyabeardian who's listening to us right now is already unsubscribed. <laughs> yeah, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, there's so much to appreciate in Doyabeard. I'm not trying to totally like trash him, but I'm just saying. Like, I think I'm teaching on him in like three weeks or something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I mean, like there's so much that's fascinating about Doyabeard. I'm not, I'm not trying to be... Uh, negative about him but um he doesn't understand the history of philosophy it's just there's just no doubt about it and um and so then uh and then you get somebody like van till uh, cornelius van till who then kind of takes that doyavirdian approach and then uh just completely just i mean com- under undercuts any thomism at all within protestantism and just botches tro- protestantism as a result and then you get, you know, Francis Schaeffer who popularizes that. And so you get like, there's this genealogy where here we are now having these debates about Thomas Aquinas that like, if you, you know, if you talk to any reformer or post-Reformation theologian, everybody would, they would be just baffled, you know? I mean, even somebody like a Luther or, or, or a Calvin, right? Like this book here by Dennis Jans, who's also Canadian, interestingly, uh, Luther and late medieval Thomism. I mean, he shows in in this that like Luther is a scholastic, even when he's critical of Thomas, and his 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 understanding of Thomas is a kind of a misunderstanding of him. But scholasticism is just right, right through the the Protestant tradition. You you can't you can't know Protestantism. You can't know Lutheran or Reformed Orthodoxy if you don't just understand the basics of, of Thomism. So. Uh, so I think what we're doing here is going to be really important um, as part of this lo- larger retrieval project that's been going on for a while of just trying to trying to, you know, recapture those key elements. That's why I like Peter Kreef's, um, uh the Summa of the Summa, his, his summary of the larger the larger set, uh, because he really focuses in on those major areas. And Thomas has thought that that Protestants have just always agreed with and um there are going to be variations, obviously, within Protestantism in terms of how much appreciation, but there's an appreciation there no matter what. And so we're not doing anything unProtestant by engaging with Thomas's thought. If anything, we're leaning into our Protestant past by by really trying to understand and explicate Thomas's thought. Yeah, I don't know any um, reform early and early Orthodox reform person who doesn't engage with thomas like i can't maybe it's it's sometimes more generalized than specific but someone like franciscus junius for example would be deeply into it um the leiden zanke or sinus (laughs) everyone it's not even it's not like it's an exceptional thing it's like it's the norm yeah Uh, there's always critical um appreciation as well as 
appreciation appreciation but that's normal like you should expect that and one of the easiest ways to illustrate this is everyone today still talks about the uh, material and formal cause of the reformation right and you're like okay that's just scholasticism yeah right like form and matter right there yeah thank you aristotle yeah thank you aristotle so um it's so built in i think um if you're listening to this what we're saying probably sounds abstract but i think in the first few episodes you'll realize this is exactly how every reformed person sounds when the world is going on. And the answer is that scholasticism is not a set of theological principles, but merely a, a culture of theology that tried to answer questions in a specific format. And maybe you would say the format's a bit not your favorite. That's fine. But you can't dismiss a movement because of its format, basically. Right. The idea yeah. of how it wants to learn, how it wants to ask questions. Um, basically the scholastic format is almost like a catechism, <laughs> like yeah. it's a question and question and answer. And just um, make, like all the, I tell my students this all the time when they ask questions and they're like sort of confusing things, I'll say, listen, all theology is about, about making good distinctions. And so, uh, scholasticism is so remarkably helpful. The fact that we lost scholasticism has been a real, uh, negative for theology because, to be able to make fi- like very fine distinctions really helps you uh, with your with your theological understanding as you're like categorizing because the, that's what the mind does right the intellect categorizes things to just help it understand and so it's like it's just basic to the to 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 human knowing uh, to do this and if we can't make those right distinctions we're just walking around in a, in a sea of confusion. Yeah, maybe another way to put this is that reading Thomas makes you less stupid. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> well, it's not I because feel, i tend to feel more stupid when i read him because he was so just unbelievably brilliant that you're just like wow mm-hmm. he was and i think you, people are going to enjoy probably i'm going to guess most people listening will have not read him before yeah um so there'll be an article that i think next week from when we're recording this which will have links to like free online thomas aquinas stuff for the reading but you can also uh, buy the Peter Kreft book that we'll link as well. Yeah, so it's Ign- Ignatius Press. I actually use this as a uh, textbook in my historical theology. Uh, what I really like about it is uh, he doesn't, you know, with we can maybe talk about next uh, next uh, time we record, just like how this is organized, you right. know, how to read like the questions and the objections, reply to objections, and 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 then Thomas's own views. But he doesn't like he focuses on key things and doesn't get bogged down in some of the minutia that Thomas can. He's got really, really uh, helpful, like a helpful apparatus at the bottom to right. explain things. He's got a good glossary. So it's just very clear and, and understandable. So like as an intro for somebody who's coming at Thomas cold and has never read anything of significance by him, it's a great it's a great way. And my students benefit from it. Um it's it's interesting. It doesn't get into some of the more specifically like Roman Catholic teachings, like transubstantiation. So maybe at one point we could do like a an episode just dealing with that question. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's all these things that I, I honestly think like every every pastor, every aspiring theologian should at least have this, if not the full summa on 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 shelf. If you don't get it in time uh, for follow along with us. Go to the uh, Aquinas.cc website, and it has all his writings, both right. in Latin and English. Really, really helpful, easy to navigate, uh, and you can follow along there, too. And I think I'm going to create kind of a reading plan, but the reading should be short enough where it's only like a few pages, I think, for each 
yeah. episode. I have to double it's check. Just it's not that fun long. stuff, man. Like it's like, what is the nature of theology? Is theology a science? You know, is it what it starts out with? Your proofs for the existence of God, and then like going right into all these like attributes. And I um, mean, you just we're just going to spend is scripture. Some time. Yeah. Who is God? What is he like? Like it's exactly. it's all good stuff. It's going to generate thoughts that will um. Make yeah, the virtues, like getting into all the, uh, you know, That's virtues, what I'm most natural law. To, oh, to, it's going to be fun. The theological um, ecology and virtues is, is what I'm most looking forward to. I also would like, based on what we were just saying about like the reformed tradition being so deeply mm. engaged with Thomas, Thomistic thought and, and other areas of scholasticism too. Like we, we don't want to, we don't want to just say everything's Thomism, you know, obviously Scotus is back there, Suarez and some others, but um, Scotus. You know, this, yeah, Scotus. Duh, the, the Supreme Scotus. Court. <laughs> well there's that too yeah um but aquinas from the protestants by uh, van drunen and, and svensson this is super helpful man Good. like some of the chapters in here uh speaking of doyvert it's hilarious there's actually a chapter in here by a doyvert expert uh, jonathan chaplin um who uh who looks at some of this as well as uh john bolt's chapter you know had been out of that kyperian tradition and his he details his this kind of a discovery of, of thomas uh, you have Stephen Lindholm's uh, use, uh, Zanke's use of Aquinas, um, David Seitzma looking at Aquinas' biblical interpretation, looking at the English. He's read Whitaker. one or two of those authors before, I would guess. Yeah, right. Yeah, Seitzma. We should get Seitzma on here. I, I think he. Yeah, I've talk. asked him to podcast before. I think he was like busy at the time, but he was like open to it. I think generally. Yeah, speaking. he's in Tokyo too. So uh, Jordan Baller uh, on Thomas and uh, and the rise of Protestant scholasticism. I mean, the, every 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 chapter in this book is is so helpful, and 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 uh, you cannot come away from this thinking that you know that what we would be doing in this is a bastardization of, of Protestantism. It's like, no, we're leaning into our tradition by doing this. Yeah. It's so funny how history works um, in the minds of some it's, it's the opposite, but I mean, the more reformed you are, the more in the right sense, um, inclusive you are of all the things that you can read and appreciate. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you agree with everything, by the way. Sure. But it means it's a that critical it's, appropriation. It's, it's wild how even the 17th century, how, Protestants and Roman Catholics still had some sort of cordial relationship and were able to, yep. in certain cases, walk together, talk because they had uncles and cousins who were like on either side of the fence in this thing. And then eventually that seems to break down until we get to today where we don't really talk to each other anymore. And that's, yep. we, that's historically I would, I would, weird. It'd be fun. We, we should try to get somebody. We'll get like Tom. Uh, I'd um, love to get Matthew Minard. Uh, I was going to say uh, Joseph. Uh, is it Joseph White? Who's the guy that just published the Oh, Trinity Thomas book? Joseph White. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd be, be awesome. On. I think he'd be hard to get. I mean, he's like the Dominican of Dominicans today. But the one guy I'm fascinated, I'd love to interview because uh, that's that's been doing a lot of translation of a of a later neo Thomist uh, <laughs> Reginald Pierre de Lagrange um, would be to get Matthew Minard on. I, 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 think I don't think Lagrange is alive anymore, man. No, no, he you know he died in like <laughs> I 1960s. Like... <laughs> I mean, I... Uh, but no, to get his train, the guy that's doing a yeah. lot of translation of his work would be right, Minard. Matthew Minard. Um, he'd yep. be a lot. Of, I've, I've listened to so many of his podcasts and and he'd just be, I bet he'd be fun to talk to. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. I think this is a good introduction. So long story short, we'll start next week. Um, we should have an article out with a reading plan and some links to the, the books and writings we talked about. And we'll, I guess, jump into the Summa, book one, Ooh. part one, whatever, next Never. week. Let's <laughs> do it, man. What is sacred doctrine, right?